As we continue to wait, let's just wait for a second. Maybe we can wait on the Lord. Father, we thank you for your uh, presence. We thank you for sending Christ uh, Jesus to this earth uh, to pay the ultimate price for our sins. Lord, we thank you for sending through Christ the Holy Spirit, the eternal God, the third person of the Trinity whom we worship. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here to change our hearts today, to speak to us clearly as you will. We pray that you'd break in, surprise us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are talking about a subject that many people find wholly interesting, that is the return of Christ and how things are going to happen at the end of the age. And many people want specifics. They want to know exactly what it is, specific events that we can look for to know that Christ is then going to return in the next 30 days or year or five years, or that we can be satisfied in knowing that he's not going to come a long time, so hopefully we can repent at the very end. And by the way, there are people who think like that. Well, I'll, I'll just wait. I'll just wait until I'm old to get things right with the Lord. I'll just wait until it gets real bad, and then I'll repent and turn around, forgetting that uh, repentance is a supernatural gift given at the Holy Spirit's will and by his sovereignty to any person at any age. He can awaken the hardest heart of a 10-year-old or the hardest heart of an 80-year-old or 90-year-old or somebody who's 100. Now, as we begin to look at these uh, different events, it seems that there are still certain things that must happen in the future. Yet, how then could Jesus return at any hour? If there are things that are still yet to come in the future that we're waiting for, that are prophetic, if there are events that are coming in the future, how can we say that Christ could come today at this very hour? Now, future events like the Antichrist, if the Antichrist is coming in the future and he still has not shown up yet, then how can we say that Christ could come today if he has to come after the Antichrist? The Bible seems to be clear that there is going to be a person who is going to set himself up against the Lord and against his Christ and declare himself to be at war with him who is against Christ, anti-Christ, a singular person. We know that there are many antichrists even now. The spirit of antichrist is in the age right now. The spirit of rebellion is incredible in our age right now. I don't need God. What do I need God for? I'm having a good old time. I don't, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to worship God. I haven't even thought of these things. He's totally irrelevant 
to me. And you dare not step on my toes because true love allows me to do whatever it is I want. And you're going to accept me for who it is that I am. You're going to accept me just as I am, sin and all. And I'm not going to change. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to go where I want. I'm going to fellowship with who I want. We see the spirit of Christ in Orlando, anti-Christ, in the tragedy of Orlando. Here you have a group of people defiant against God in their sin. Defiant. God-haters. In a club, doing whatever they wanted to do, sinning as much as they wanted to sin. It's been told to us that they were just having a nice, innocent, clean time of fun. Really? That's what you call darkness. And if you've ever been in a club like that, whether it's homosexual or heterosexual, it's evil. And you can sense the presence of wickedness even as you go in. Just as you can sense the presence of God when you're around the people of God. But the way to handle it is not through more sin. Through more despicable and disgusting evil. So you have a group of people manifesting the spirit of Antichrist against Christ, having sinful fun, the, the, the pleasures of this world, and you have somebody who takes the, the matters of life and death into his own hands, totally wicked and totally wrong, despicable. Goes in and he manifests the spirit of Antichrist as he guns down people to their death. It's the Lord who gives life, and it's the Lord who decides when to take life. So you have wickedness compounded with more wickedness. This, this, is, um, this is the signs of the times that we live in. People 60 years ago, and some people in this church can even remember easily 60 years ago, would never have dreamed of the day to see the things that are happening. What is this? This is the spirit of Antichrist. And it's happening so quickly. A frenetic pace. So fast. Wickedness. But if the Antichrist must come in the future, a specific Antichrist, how then could Christ, Jesus, the Lord, come at any time? Second Thessalonians, if you want to turn in your Bibles with me, Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Verse 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no one deceive you in any way, 
For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. Here it is. And the man of lawlessness, some manuscripts say the man of sin, this is the Antichrist that we're talking about here. The man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction. Verse 8, same chapter. And then the lawless one, that's the Antichrist, the, the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill. So Jesus comes back and he kills him with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance, the appearance of his coming. So the Antichrist must come first. How about the preaching of the gospel to all nations? Has that happened yet? The preaching of the gospel to all nations has to happen first. And then Jesus comes. This is why we're so diligent to say, we need to get the gospel out. We need to get the gospel out. People around the globe need Jesus. There's people here in our towns that need Jesus. There are people who were raised in church, in this church, who need Christ. And may God grant today the gift of repentance, the gift of holy grieving, and at the same time holy joy, but the gospel needs to be spread to the nations first. Send the gospel around the world. Support missionaries who go around the world. Support missionaries. Missionaries like you in this church, your missionaries. There's missionaries right now in South Africa and um, Russia and um, different parts of uh, the world. All over there's missionaries, and he's called a group of missionaries right here. Well, I'm waiting for the call to go, the call to go, the call to go. I'm going to go across the seas, and I'm going to preach the gospel across the world to different nations across the world. And the Lord is saying, are you preaching the gospel right now? You're a missionary right now where you're at. The gospel must um, be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. Well, has the gospel been preached to all the nations yet? Is that what we're still waiting for? And then Christ will come. In fact, if you look at our text, Mark chapter 13, verse 10. Mark chapter 13, verse 10. And the gospel, Jesus said, must first be proclaimed to all nations. So the gospel has to go out first to all the nations of the world. And then the end will come. How do we explain this if Jesus is his appearance could happen at any hour. Some have uh, explained this by saying, well, all this stuff happens after a secret rapture. The Antichrist comes after a secret rapture, so we don't have to worry about that. Christ could still come at any moment, and then once he raptures the church and we all leave for seven years, then these things will happen on earth. The Antichrist will make his appearance and the preaching of the gospel will go to the ends of the earth then. But it's clear in Scripture that there's only one coming. It seems that the answer is 
to say that these things may have already been accomplished, we don't know, but probably not. In other words, every generation is kept on its toes. We talk about the, the great persecution. Listen, there are people right now who are suffering right now for the faith that seems so foreign to us. And to tell them that they're not going through the great persecution or the great tribulation, they would say, well, then what does that look like? Because we're being killed all the day long for Christ. Or how about people under Hitler? Surely people thought this could be the Antichrist, and they're kept on their toes. They're thinking, is this the one that is prophesied? So these things may be uh, being accomplished or possibly have already been accomplished, but probably not. We're still waiting for these things probably to happen in the future, but the truth is we don't know. We don't know. And so we're waiting and we're looking around and we're saying, could this person be that person? Oh God, the, the world in which we live is so wicked and so evil. And Lord, you're not taking us out of here in some secret coming and some secret rapture. That's not what's going on. Lord, you promised to come visibly. You promised to come with a loud trumpet and the voice, the cry of an archangel. Lord, these things are loud and uh, visible. Lord, you're not going to uh, just uh, take us out. In fact, Lord, you promised us that uh, we would be, we'd be persecuted. Lord, you promised us that we would go through tribulation if we're true believers. Lord, you promised us suffering. For those who think, well, I don't, I don't have to worry about suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's just going to take me out of here very quickly. Listen, that's a strong delusion. That's a way not to live. That's a way to be easily deceived. The Lord wouldn't allow me to go through great trials and great persecution. So we broke up our text last week in, in Mark chapter 13. We broke it up this way. We talked about ongoing circumstances. That is, the preaching of the gospel is going to continue to go on through this age until it's finally accomplished and Christ comes back. But that's only at the, the Father's knowledge and understanding. We don't, we don't know these things. These are the things that he has determined when he says the gospel has spread far enough. This is exactly my timetable, the Father speaking. But there's ongoing circumstances that are going to happen throughout the time before Christ's return. We looked at verses 3 through 13. Ongoing circumstances, ongoing persecutions, ongoing scourgings in the synagogues, and today scourgings around the world are Christian brothers in... Um, in places where the Islamic faith is so strong. They're not allowed to say anything, and if they do, they will be put in prison or even give their life for the sake of the gospel. But the question is, when does this all start? When is the starting point of these events that Jesus is talking about? So if you go back with me to Mark chapter 
13. Mark chapter 13, he has said that these things are going to permeate and uh, perpetuate through the age. And now he's going to tell us when these things are going to actually start. He says this in verse 14. He says, but when you see the abomination, this is something that is detestable, something that is despicable, a blasphemy in the sight of a, of a holy God. Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation or that causes desolation, something so evil and uh, so sinful, so wicked is going to happen that it's going to cause desolation, it's going to call devastation. And Jesus is saying, when you see these things, when you see this abomination happen, standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand, he specifically tells us that this is Daniel who prophesies this. He says, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So Daniel had prophesied an abomination, something so blasphemous, something so wicked that it would cause people to scatter. It would cause devastation and it would cause desolation. We want to look at these. If you go back with me to Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, says this. And many think that uh, this was fulfilled in 168 B.C. when Antiochus Epiphanes came into the temple and desecrated it. He even sacrificed a pig or he sacrificed a swine on the altar. And so there's a definite pointing to that. But Jesus says that there's even a greater fulfillment than Antiochus Epiphanes who came in the second century BC. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 27 says, And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations, there it is, shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolation. Chapter 11, Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11, verse 31. Daniel chapter 11, verse 31 says this. Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offerings and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. This is what Jesus is referring to. One more, chapter 12, verse 11 and from that time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. So many have said that this was a reference to Antiochus Epiphanes that happened in 168 BC, but Jesus says actually there's a more true fulfillment of this. There's a greater fulfillment that's even in the future. This happened in uh, 66 AD when uh, zealots, Jewish zealots, began to kill priests, 
shed the blood of priests, even on the temple precincts, there was a huge, massive Jewish rebellion. All hell was breaking loose in Jerusalem between 66 and 70 AD. And Christians began to flee. It was an awful scene. And in 70 AD, Rome came in and uh, destroyed Jerusalem and completely destroyed the temple. And they set up uh, Roman sacrifices, again, just like Antiochus, Epiphanes, on the temple precincts. What an abomination. All of these things would happen within a generation, within 40 years of Jesus prophesying this, this came to pass. And so he is saying, but when you see, he's telling this generation, this, these people that are still going to be there, 70 AD, the events of 66 to 70 AD, this is what Jesus is talking about right here in verse 14. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Church history tells us that the Christians who are left in Jerusalem at this point fled to Pella, not the window company, and they stayed there for protection. Many Christians had been persecuted before uh, this time and had fled already, but those who were still there in 66 began to flee and Jesus is saying, when you begin to see these things happen, flee. Notice what it says in verse 15. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down. So the picture one commentator said is a, a person who's fleeing doesn't even have time to, to go downstairs, but is running from rooftop to rooftop to get out of the city. And by the way, there's a, there are times to lay down our lives. There are times when we say that we have been arrested for the gospel. Somebody is standing before us and says to us, deny the name of Jesus Christ. And we have to say we will continue to speak his name even if it costs us our life. But there are times to flee. And this is what Jesus is exactly saying. He's saying when you see this persecution, when you see... Rome come in, chaos in the city. Let the one who is on the housetop no, not go down, nor enter his house, nor take anything out. So don't worry about your money and the other things. Just get out of there and get out of there quickly. And alas for women, verse 17, verse 16, and let the one who is in the field not turn back and take his cloak. Oftentimes these, uh, these people had a cloak, an outer cloak, that they would put down during the hot hours of the day to the side. And at night they would, uh, they would keep themselves warm with this cloak as, as if it was a blanket. And Jesus is saying, don't even worry about going to take your cloak back. And the last for women who are pregnant. Imagine Rome coming in, sacking the place a pregnant woman. 
was already dealing with all the things that pregnancy brings. And in these days, there were no cars to jump into, no trains to get into, no planes to get away. It was get on a donkey or it was get on a horse or it was run out of town. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, often they would, they would nurse children until they were two years old. The children would be weaned at that point. So Jesus is saying, can you imagine ladies who are pregnant, women and children? He's saying, when you begin to see these things happen in Jerusalem, get out. Do not hang around. Do not stay around. When you see this abomination that causes desolation, and that's exactly what happened, Jerusalem became desolate. Jesus says, pray that it may not happen in winter. We know that in Israel it can, um, it can get cold. In fact, it can get so cold that it can even snow. Rivers can rise. There's a chill in the air at night, especially in the winter time. It can get very cold. Jesus is saying, when you see these things begin to happen, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, it seems best to say that these events fit the events that happened from 66 A.D. to 70 A.D. He says, pray that this doesn't happen in winter. So these things that Jesus is prophesying, these things that are going to show forth in the whole age are going to start at this point. And then Jesus begins to talk about the uniqueness of these days. Verse 19, For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been seen from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. Now, there are people who think that there is, this is specifically only talking about the very end of the age. But Jesus seems to be saying that this great tribulation is actually going to permeate the entire age. That the entire age before he comes is going to be one, yes, of blessings, and yes, times of peace, and yes, times of prosperity even for the church. But he's saying that this great tribulation, this is not just talking about just a few years or 10 years or even 100 years, but that this tribulation, this great tribulation is going to continue through the entire age until Christ comes. Blumberg and Chung in their excellent book, they say this, the problem is solved, however, if we understand Jesus to mean that this great tribulation beginning in 70 A.D., would in some way continue until his second coming. So we are enduring tribulation at different periods of time, and it's going to continue until Jesus comes. And so people under Mussolini or people under Hitler can rightly say, we're under the Great Tribulation. It continues. It started at this point, 66 to 70 AD, and it continues. And Lord Jesus, protect us in the midst of it. It's not, oh Lord, you're going to just snatch us out of this. Listen, the Bible is very clear. We are not destined for God's wrath. But listen carefully. He never promised that we wouldn't go through the world's wrath. 
In fact, there have been many, many Christians, in fact, this past century was the bloodiest century of all time. As many Christians have laid down their lives. And so Jesus is saying that this thing is starting then, but it's going to continue. And there's never going to be an age like this one, nor has there ever been. Oh, that God would give us the strength to endure. Listen, the, the seductive voices of this age are calling to you right now. You don't think you're going to be hated? You just begin to say at a party, gently, as a conversation comes up, I believe there's one way to God. That's through Jesus Christ. And you see the reactions that you get in this day and age in which we live right now. There is, there is no doubt if things continue on the path that uh, we are headed on in this country, we're not waiting for some tribulation to come. Oh yes, it's going to get worse and worse and worse until the end. But there's no doubt that uh, if things continue in this country as they are, fathers are going to be dragged off to jail for the name of Christ. Hate crimes. We hear this all the time. We, have, we, need, we need more legislation for hate crimes. Now we're going to get laws that judge the heart. Listen, we already have laws. If you murder somebody, it's wrong. Period. Period. We don't, need a, we don't need a legislature. We don't need a judge telling us exactly why we did that. Listen, we're getting into some really hot waters with all this stuff that's coming down the pike with hate crimes and hate legislation and all this. These are all, listen, these are all signs of the times that we're living in, and it is wickedness. And Jesus is saying, you've got to be on guard. It's so easy to just say, Jesus, I'm not going to follow you. This is getting too hard. I didn't, I didn't realize that it was going to cost me so much. I was laying in bed this last week. I was just praying. I was just talking to the Lord. And I began to just think about the gospel and the word repent. And as I was, as I was talking to the, to the Lord about repentance, it came to my mind that it's very easy to know these words. Yes, I must repent, and yes, I must believe in Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. But God is calling Christians in this church to repent. And repentance isn't just saying, oh, I believe in repentance. Repentance is having a holy grief. Repentance is fueled by a holy grief that says, God, I'm so sorry for my sins. Lord, I'm sorry for compromise in my life. Lord, I'm sorry for rotten attitudes and wrong ways of thinking and sins that I see permeating my life. God, forgive me. Can I ask you a question, Christian, not non-Christian? When is the last time you repented? Not you said the word repent. Not you thought about the word repent. Not even that you know what the word repent means. 
When's the last time you actually got on your knees before God and if you couldn't physically get on your knees before the Lord, you did it in your heart and you grieved over your own sin? Without holiness, no man, no woman will see the Lord. Without repentance, not believing in repentance, but actually doing it. Without repentance, no person will see the Lord. And Jesus is saying, we're not going to, Jesus is saying, I'm not going to give you all these specific indicators of this is going to happen in 2012 and 2014, then this is going to map this out and you can talk about these nations in the Middle East. We bring down a big chart. We have, a, well, I guess we wouldn't do a chart anymore. We put it all on a screen. I can remember the days of the flannel graph. You guys remember that? Down in Sunday school. Now, here's a donkey, okay, put it on the board. Now it's like, that's old. Can we get an iPad? Okay. <laughs> so we have a chart. We have all these different things mapped out. And you can sense what Jesus is doing through this whole text is he's saying, I'm resisting all of that. I don't want you to have everything specifically mapped out. I'm telling you that there's going to be really bad things. I'm telling you that when the temple is destroyed, don't be shocked and think, well, the Lord had to come in concert with this and he, he didn't come, so maybe he's not coming or maybe we got our theology wrong. Or were there suffering in the church? These were problems that they were dealing with. We thought the Lord was coming back. People are dying around us of natural causes. People are being killed and put in jail for the sake of Christ. And decade one wears on, and decade two wears on, and decade three wears on. The first century comes and goes. The second century comes and goes. Here we are, 21st century. And I'm so thankful the, the Lord didn't give us the specific details of every day. He just said, listen, you're going to go through an age of persecution. There's never going to be an age. There's never been an age like this age. And there never will be an age because after this age, Jesus comes back and wraps this whole thing up. Amen? And that's what he's saying. And he's saying, you got to be strong. You can't give up. You're going to want to give up. You're going to want to say, this thing is too hard. I thought, I, thought I, I didn't know it was going to be like this. There's problems at school, problems at work, problems in the family, problems in the church. I had no clue all these things were going to be like this. And Jesus comes along and he says, I'm not giving you a little chart. He, say, he says this, take heart, I've overcome the world. I'm with you. I'm with you in this age of great tribulation. I'm with you in this age of great persecution. Yes, we are spared from the wrath of God, but we're always spared through it. Isn't it amazing, even with uh, Noah? God didn't zap Noah and take him out of the earth. He spared him through the flood, through it. The children of Israel, he didn't just take them out of the world, but he preserved them through slavery and preserved them in the wilderness. And that's what he does with his children today. 
So if someone comes to you and says, well, we're just waiting for the great persecution, the great tribulation, and say, oh, yes, things are getting worse, and it's, and it's uh, very likely that it could get much worse than now, and it looks like we're still waiting for this Antichrist. Oh, yes, that's absolutely all good and well and true, but I can tell you right now, we live in the age of great tribulation. We live in the age of great persecution. Jesus says, this is how bad this age is going to get. Notice what he says in verse 20. He says this in verse 20. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, what, what days? The days of this age. No human being would be saved. Now, I mean, this is so true. It's just true. Can you imagine this world left to itself without Jesus ever coming back? He's saying no one would survive. Now, he said that 2,000 years ago. We, we know that that's true now. What do you mean no one would, would survive? Can you imagine atom bombs going off everywhere? If we're left to ourselves, oh, what we're going to do is we're going to just have this uh, utopia and we're going to have like, different civilizations all over the universe and it's just going to be this wonderful place of peace and no more problems. <clears throat> Jesus is saying, if I didn't cut these days short of this age, no one would survive. You'd all kill each other. That's what he's saying. But why does he, why does he cut these days short? No human being would be saved, he says, but for the sake of the elect whom he chose. That's you if you know Christ. He shortened the days. Oh, thank the Lord. Listen, before we blow this world up, he's coming back. He's coming back. Then he says this. He, he gives us his protection. We close with this. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ. That's the Messiah. Look, there he is. Do not, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders. I can't believe what he did. I mean, he doesn't believe in good theology and good doctrine, but he does all sorts of amazing signs and wonders. Well, that sounds familiar. Oh, yeah, Mark 13. False Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray. If possible, it's not possible, but he's saying if possible, the elect. There's going to be such false teaching so many false prophets that, as it were, even the elect could be deceived. They won't be because of his protection. Be on guard. I have uh, told you all these things beforehand. Be on guard. Be on guard. That's what we close with. Be on guard. That's the point of this. Put your charts away. Your systems that have everything figured out. And be on guard. Know your Bible. That's what Jesus said. Remember the things I said. 
He tells us these are the things Daniel, Jesus was a big Bible guy. These are the things Daniel prophesied. They happen, and this age continues to happen with all of its tragedy, with all of its sorrow, but it's going to be cut short because of his purposes and his plans for the sake of you, the elect. Be strong. Repent. I don't need to go to church. I just, I can't make it. I just, I just can't go to church. Really? You got to go to church. Parties, too important. Sporting events, all these different things. Put it aside. Oh, that God, listen. Oh, that God would raise us up and say, Lord, you're coming first. Got a backache. I'm going to church. Going to church. Going to be in the Bible. Going to be on guard. Don't want to get sleepy. Sleepy Christians. Sleepy Christians. Be on guard. Would you stand with me?